Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia Harbin-Lamb, and I'm the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the PREVENT Initiative. The PREVENT Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, we will be discussing the services and resources that are available to caregivers through the SAFE program. Today, I am happy to have with me LaToya Hall. LaToya is an MSW. She's currently a research assistant and program coordinator at Wayne State University's Institute of Gerontology. LaToya earned dual Bachelor's of Arts degree at Wayne State University. LaToya has completed her Master of Social Work program at Washington University in St. Louis. And throughout her graduate career and early professional MSW experience, LaToya dedicated her focus to asset building and financial stability programs serving vulnerable populations. In LaToya's current position, she directs the Successful Aging Through Financial Empowerment Program. Thank you for joining me, LaToya. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today and talk about this program. Tell us about the SAFE program and what types of resources and services you provide through this program for caregivers and for individuals. So the Successful Aging Through Financial Empowerment Program is dedicated to assisting caregivers and older adults with any financial needs that they may have. We have a heavy focus on financial exploitation and helping individuals who have been victims of financial exploitation to recover, helping caregivers and understanding how to help an older adult care recipient they are providing care for to recover if they've been victimized and helping caregivers and older adults understand some of the things that they can do to not be victimized. With this program, we offer community education presentations where we talk about some of these things within caregiving and financial exploitation. For caregivers, we discuss a few things. We discuss how to properly manage someone else's money, what your role is as fiduciary, we have a educational session where we talk about how to even approach this very difficult conversation with someone about having to be the person who is going to manage their money for them. And then we have a educational module on protecting your charge from scams and identity theft. We also offer one-on-one services to caregivers and older adults, one-on-one financial coaching services, totally free of charge that will assist someone in recovering after being victimized or even assist someone to do some of the preventative things that they need to do to not be victimized. Wow, those are a lot of services that you provide. When you think about elder abuse and, you know, I know that you have that background as you're seeing older adults and caregivers, what are some of the warning signs that a caregiver should be aware of that would indicate someone is being abused? Okay, so um, some of them may sound very familiar from some of the other abuse scenarios that you hear about in domestic violence or child abuse or things. So one that's very common is them becoming withdrawn and withdrawn about finances. So not someone who's always been 
really secretive about their finances. But someone who, you know, has been kind of open in the past and you can talk to about financial things and about their finances. And now all of a sudden they don't want to discuss anything about what's going on with them financially. Sometimes that's a sign that there may be some exploitation going on. Another sign is overdrawn or overdrafted bank accounts that continue to be overdrawn or overdrafted every month, especially when it's someone who was very meticulous about managing their finances. And you know this is something that's uncommon, so looking for those uncommon signs. If you are a caregiver and the person who you provide care for begins to get bills that you don't recognize or don't notice, that's uh, a sign. Something else is looking for kind of like these uh, withdrawals from bank accounts or credit card purchases that are not um, things that could be seen as as common. It's it's not really a, a common behavior of this person. Say, you know, this person who you help out, they go to the bank once a month and they take an extra $500 to put with their Social Security benefit to make sure that they have enough money to live on for that month. And that's their regular pattern, their regular behavior. Well, now you begin to see this person, they've been in the bank four times this month, and each time they've taken out $1,000. Another warning sign is new best friends or new sweethearts that are getting really close and encouraging the older adult to shut other people out and and not really talk about things with other people, kind of like they, they want to isolate this person. Those are some some good warning signs that people could possibly look out for. Thank you for those warning signs. Yeah, those are some great ones to think about. And, you know, definitely I've seen some of those in my work. Now, what about tips that you might have to protect your older loved one from elder abuse? The first one that I always encourage everyone to do, and not just caregivers to older adults, everyone should be doing this for themselves. You should at least be pulling your free credit reports at least once a year. If you pull them all at one time, you get three free credit reports from Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax through www.annualcreditreport.com. You should be pulling those at least once a year. If you want to pull them all at the same time and look, that's great. If you want to pull them at different time intervals, say every four months or so and take a look, that's great. But that's what that's going to help you to do is avoid any um, financial exploitation under the guise of identity theft. So you'll make sure that no one is using their information to gain personal financial accounts to, to commit fraud and things of that nature. Something else that you probably want to be doing is um, a common, you know, ongoing review of bank statements, credit cards, If you can create logins for these things and do it online and possibly review it once a week, that is great. You know, you want to make sure that you're on top of it. You're doing it pretty regularly. If not, you want to make sure that you're reviewing those statements at least once a month because something you can identify when something begins to become suspicious and there's some suspicious activities on these things. And another thing is the the sooner you catch it, the better chances you have of having those things reversed or having those things really tended to by the bank or financial institution. A third thing that I just, I want to go in, put in here, um, because of the age of 
we're we're living in this time of corona and a lot more of us are doing things online and a lot of things more remotely and electronically you want to make sure that the devices that we're using have the latest security updates installed you want to make sure that we're well protected from spyware and things that people could possibly hack into on the computer and you know since we're doing so much on these computers just make sure that they're protected as possible so these hackers can't get in and get personal information to be able to do things like access credit um, using that information or get into bank accounts and credit accounts and things of that nature. Wow, those are some great tips, LaToya, for sure. I really didn't think about the security one and how important that would be, but that's that's really a great one. So can you tell us a little bit more about the types of issues that you're seeing at this time, some that are more prevalent during this time? You mentioned coronavirus as we're in the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? One of the things that I'm seeing is um, it's it's a variation of the grandparent scam, and it's people calling older adults to say that they are sick and need money for treatment. So it used to be I'm in jail or something of that nature has gone wrong, and I need money to buy myself out. People are now contacting and saying that, you know, a loved one is in jail or contacting cousins to be that loved one. And they are securing money from the older adult for treatment. So that is a something that I, I've dealt with during the pandemic. Another one that I'm seeing is people wondering how to fix things with unemployment because people are getting personal information and the scammers are doing um, large unemployment scams. So they are getting people's personal information and they're filing unemployment for all of these people and they're collecting all of the checks. So they're not filing it on the behalf financially of that person. They're filing it fraudulently so that they can collect the unemployment benefit that the government would have given that person. Another one that's common right now is there's a contact tracing scam going around. We hear so much about contact tracing right now at this time. But what we're seeing is that People are being sent a text message saying that you have come into contact with someone who has tested positive for COVID-19. Please click here to open up this special page or this special message or something of that nature. And when you click the link, it downloads spyware. Oh, wow. So those are, you know, three of the things that I come into contact with having to have someone um having to help people to navigate through those issues. And then I'm seeing just a large insurgence of kind of like the regular identity theft and the other regular scams and things. And I think that's why I mentioned security updates because I think we are online much more. And so many people who probably weren't paying their bills online and weren't doing a lot of things online are getting online more, using credit cards, bank cards, and things online or putting much more personal information online than they would have in the past because you you can't get up and really go into places. And so there's a lot of kind of this behind the scenes information theft being committed through spyware that is being downloaded, you know, because someone may have clicked on something and the security update wasn't strong. The security on the device wasn't strong enough to block that spyware from being downloaded. 
how can a caregiver get assistance from the SAFE program? Can you tell us a little bit more about that process? To get assistance from the SAFE program, it is really, really simple. The only thing that you have to do is be a caregiver to an older adult who is over 60 and dealing with cognitive decline issues. That's the only criteria we have. Right now, we are servicing anyone from anywhere. We used to have some geographic constraints, but now with us, we are doing everything online or over the phone. We're using Zoom for our one-on-one coaching, or we can do phone coaching. And so that really opened us up geographically. So we're able to service people from all over the state of Michigan. Um, I've had people even call me from as far away as I think Atlanta was the last one that I did. And the care recipient lived closer to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're getting people from everywhere. So, you know, those are the only really requirements at this time. The only thing that you have to do is call me or send me an email and letting me know that you want me to contact you about services. And then once I contact and you meet the criteria, you can be enrolled into the program. So it's it's a really simple process. If anyone asks for your personal information when someone's calling, How do you check out if that's legitimate or not? The best strategy to tell older adults or anyone is when you get these calls from these numbers that you don't recognize, try not to answer. Try to scream some other type of way. I'm listening to voicemail or, you know, and seeing if it's something that you think is legitimate that you need to call back. The reason I say that is the more of these scam phone calls you answer, the more you get. You'll notice when you stop answering your phone for unfamiliar numbers and stop getting those robocalls and recordings or people wanting to lower your credit card interest rates and things, those calls begin to decline in nature altogether. And then another thing that I tell people, if you do screen, or even if you do answer, because you want to answer, or you do screen and think it's something that may be legitimate, if you do a voicemail and you screen and it sounds legitimate and you want to call back and check on it, Try not to call the number back that they called you from. So try not to hit that little button on your phone to to call that number back. Look for an independent number. Go and get that number. So say they say they're calling from your bank, there's a problem. Um, you probably want to grab your bank card and call the number on your back of bank the back of your bank card. If they say Medicare, try calling one eight hundred Medicare, something along those lines. And then at say I just got a call saying there was a problem. I want to verify what's going on. And they'll let you know because you always know who you called. You don't know who called you when they're on the other end of that phone or, you know, if that number is even a legitimate number to where they're calling from. And the same thing when someone calls and you answer the phone, when they start asking for personal information, you can decline and you can hang up the phone and you can find a number that you have independently to that source and you give them a call. So that's always my advice for, you know, kind of like these calls that we get because we get so many of them. Okay, that sounds great. Where can caregivers get more information about the SAFE program? Can you give us a phone number? My name is Latoya Hall again. The phone number to reach me is 313-664-2608 or you can email me l.hall at wayne.edu. Okay. Thanks again, LaToya. This has been very helpful information. Thank you for joining us today, LaToya. Thank you so much for having me. This is Antonia Harbin-Lamb. Thank you for listening. 
For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.